Okay, thank you. Thank you for your collaboration. I would like now to welcome um, uh, Bruce and Margaret. Uh, yeah, Bruce is going to speak to us, and Margaret, uh, will I just... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you want me to come up now? Yeah. Or? Uh -huh. uh, Bruce is leaving uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. Yeah, tomorrow morning, and um, he has been a real, real friend and also a great, great asset sent by God. Yeah, especially these couple of weeks when, when Tom is not around. Yeah. And uh, we thank him for, for, for God's wisdom through his words and uh, we look forward to your message today. Thank okay, you. thank you, Stephen. When Stephen said uh, he is a great asset, where my, where my mind actually went was golf. Um, when I thought, I thought, if I was here June 2nd, I would be your biggest cash cow. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom and I, uh, Tom sort of taught me how to golf. He is a golfer, I am not. And if you ever want to uh, have your ego strengthened, go golfing with me. He would use the, all those irons in that thing, and I would just use a, a nine iron. And so he would hit a shot like this, and I would go, boop. And uh, so that's going to tie into our talk this morning. And at the, at near the end of our talk, I'm going to ask Margaret to come up and give a little bit of this mother's journey. Uh, and then we're going to uh, we, we're going to try to show a clip, but instead we'll just play the music. Um, so the talk today is kind of a continu continuation from two weeks ago. If you remember, two weeks ago we looked at the story of the prodigal in Luke 15. And uh, so a little bit of review. What we said was Luke 15, Luke 16, 17, 18, this is the lead up to the Holy Week. This is the lead up to the last week of Jesus before he's crucified. And in Luke 15, it starts off and it says this. I'll read it in the message. It says, by this time, a lot of men and women, see, the ministry was taking off. People were being healed. People were listening to a message they'd never heard before. And people were following. The crowds were growing. Success. But they were of doubtful reputation. The Bible says, by this time a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. And the Pharisees and the religion scholars were not pleased, not at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals, treating them like old friends. In the New American it says, he receives. And they were angry. This message is about receiving. What is it? Why is it important? How is it done? And what are the results? First of all, what is it? Because when you talk about Luke 15, what, what he goes on to say in Luke 15 is he gives three parables. Remember, just by way of review, because of their growling, because of this, he, he talks to them and to the disciples and he says uh, that there were a hundred sheep, there was a shepherd. And so a shepherd was kind of like the bottom of the food chain. Uh, only people below that were women and children, and then the blind and the impaired. 
and he lost a sheep. And, and the shepherd, as you know the story, goes, goes out to find the sheep. And when he finds the sheep, he brings it back to the fold and he has a party with his friends. And then the second story was about a woman. A woman. Now to the Pharisees and to the scholars of the day, you know, this was like these people? It's fitting today we talk about Mother's Day. People of doubtful reputation. He receives them. And of course, we know the story. She loses the coin. She searches high and low. She finds the coin, brings it back, and gathers her friends, and they celebrate. And then the third story is the prodigal son. Lost sheep, lost coins, lost kids. And of course, we talked about the story in terms of receiving. But what does it mean to receive, and why is it important? It's a difficult concept sometimes to understand. A friend of mine, I would say this as an outset, somehow, whatever it means, it means to, to come in close to the person. It means to take them into yourself somehow. There's a mysterious work to be sure, but there's something about it that really bugged the people that thought well of themselves. They thought they were better than other people. And so he wanted the disciples to know, and he wanted even the Pharisees to know, that this is not the kingdom of God. A professor I had uh, told this story, and uh, we're, I'll never forget it, and uh, he had gotten a call, and it was back when they were putting house alarms in, you know, in houses that were hooked up to central systems that would report it to the police station. And he told this story, he said it was a true story, I believe him. He got this call, the police said, uh, we have some bad news. Someone has broken into your house. So he said, well, I'll be right over. He gets in his car, he drives to his house. He's, and the officer said, uh, they've searched everywhere, apparently for something. Their drawers open, their cupboards open, the closets are open, and, and it's just a mess. They were obviously looking for something. And my professor friend said, uh, well, actually, this is the way I left it. <laughs> you see, his wife was uh, on, at a conference, and uh, just the way it was. A couple of weeks ago, I had a new client, and they came into my office, and they said, oh, are you moving in? Like my friend, you know, it's in those times that you either kind of fess up and tell the truth or maybe you make something up to, to kind of, you know, kind of change their perspective or to let their perspective be the same, but just stay in hiding. There was a day, uh, sadly, for sure, that I would have uh, said something to dance around to not be embarrassed. Instead, I said uh, what I should have said, which was good. There's more times than I haven't said that which was, no, sadly, this is just the way it is. I work like this, actually. Receive, how do you receive somebody? It's not so easy. John 1.12 says, but to as many as received him. How do you do that? I read it in the message, I brought it with me, I, I wanted to read it. Eugene Peter says it, says it like this, but whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed, 
and would do what he said, would be obedient. To, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves, their God-begotten selves, not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten, their true selves. See, there's a work of God happening here to bring us to our senses, but not just to in, make us smarter, but to give us our true selves. It has something to do with receiving. When you look at chapter 17, he heals lepers, 10 of them, but only one turns and finds Jesus. We don't want to be like the 10 lepers who we know that we're workaholics. We know that we have an alcohol problem. We know that we have a perfection of problem and we want that to be healed, of course, but we never find he who is life. We have to learn to receive. This whole section is about Jesus telling the disciples, at least in my opinion, it's receiving that which is hard to receive. People of no reputation, people who are weak, people who are, you wouldn't give the time of day to, as well as parts of yourself that are more criminal than you thought. We said last, two weeks ago, that to have a father's heart, you have to participate in the son's madness. You, you literally give the inheritance the person has no right to ask for. He waits and longs and aches, we said. And then finally he rushes to greet the son. You know, you know the story. And he receives him with gladness. I got this note uh, a week before I came. Let me read it to you. Because we're talking about, what is it? What does it mean to receive? What does it mean to receive forgiveness? What does it mean to receive kindness? What does it mean to receive compliments? Many of us in this room can't actually receive a compliment. We have to brush it off somehow. We earn our own way after all. There's this old self. I want you to know that your notes or letters have encouraged us, skipping down, I know in my own life I was able to forgive my dad of, his, of abuse only after I realized I was no better than he was. My sin was just packaged differently. This was a woman in probably her mid to late 60s. God in his graciousness allowed me to express that to my dad at Thanksgiving during a precious visit with him. For in the end of February, he suddenly died. My father, the abuser of four children, was taken to be with the Lord in his great mercy. And the four of us kids wept at his funeral, partly because of his passing, but also in a bittersweet joy, knowing some of the grace of God who would take a repentant sinner or abuser to eternity of joy with him. Wow. Takes your breath away. But you can't hide. You can't fake it. You can't reconfigure it. I was running with my daughter, a lot of running stories. Not the powerful daughter. This was the, the really compliant kid who, who had leadership positions in the youth group. And we were running together, and she was 16. And she said, uh, Dad, I want to thank you for teaching me responsibility. How did I do that? You know, I'm running. She goes, well, you, you taught me to put my toys away. So I'm sort of having this sinking feeling in my heart. 
right? <laughs> and I said, uh, could you tell me how, I, how that happened? And she said, well, uh, you remember Samson the dog? Samson was the dog of a friend of mine who lived across the street, and my friend was a leash law, so he would let his dog out at night. Why he did that, I don't know, but he did. And uh, Samson got, was loose, and, and the, dog, the, the stuffed uh, bear was left out on the lawn, and Samson chewed the nose off the bear, and it was a favorite bear of hers. And she brought it to me crying. Apparently, she told me this, and she, she said, I brought, I brought the bear to you, and you said um, that you know, I needed to learn to put away my toys. And I, honestly, I probably said it nicely, because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> but the question I didn't want to ask, but the Lord was prompting me to ask, was to ask her this question. How old were you? She said, you see back then um, and I'm better now it was about being the right dad teaching kids the right stuff I came to tears I have them today now I don't know that I could have been a different dad but I was a strict dad a legalistic dad. And while we were running, I, I came to tears and I, I said, you know, I'm so sorry. There were better things to teach than that at that point. And she started crying while we were, she was running and I said, do you know what your tears are about, all about? And she said, no, I, I'm just so confused. I said, you know, Trying to make things better is not the same as love. Even though if you love, things are better. But when the intent of your heart as a dad is to try to lead your kid and set a good example and teach them the, the right way, but you're not a learner yourself. I said, what would you have wanted? What would have touched your heart? And she said, I, I don't know. She could barely breathe and I could barely breathe and tears flowed. You see, the life is in the blood. He teaches us with his tears. He teaches us with his spilled blood and with his broken bread. We have to feed each other. But in order to do that, we have to receive from him. If I'm ever to gain the heart he would give me as a father, because God receives. If I'm to have his heart, because it's central to who he is, uh, and I will have that heart, and I will be released and freed if I listen to him, no matter what the cost, like Zacchaeus, and climb whatever tree I need to climb. Paul writes this, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother who tenderly cares for her own children. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging, this is 1 Thessalonians, and imploring each of you as a father with his own children, God wants us to have a father's heart and a mother's heart. He is working intently to give that to us. He wants us to have that. Henry Nouwen writes this, looking at the people I live with, the handicapped, men and women, and the staff, I see the immense desire for a father in whom fatherhood and motherhood are one. They all have suffered from the experience of rejection or abandonment. They all have been wounded as they grew up. 
They all wonder whether they are worthy of the unconditional love of God. They all search for the place where they can safely return and be touched by the hands that bless him. I recently sat with a, a mom who was talking to me about one of her kids. And what she said basically was this, I never expected to have this kind of kid. It pushed me far beyond what I had the ability to give. And if it wasn't for my heart breaking and God helping me, I don't think I could have ever loved her unconditionally, which is the only kind of love there is. He would have us receive his love. We've talked just briefly about what it is and why it's important. God's nature is to receive that which is broken and lost and hurting. That which is not esteemed by the world. Even the parts of me that I don't esteem, he would receive. But the second is, how do you do it? And I've really said it. How do you receive? Of course, all effort needs to be made to receive. The problem is, at some point, there's not room. So something has to be poured out. Centrally, I can tell you what that is. Pride. Your sense of self. Whatever you've built your life up to be, most assuredly will be poured out. Because in order to have a heart this big, the one I've got has got to break apart. Only he can make the heart larger. Only he can make the heart big. What's the path? Pouring out, suffering, and joy. Every mom here knows that, and every dad, but every mom knows that when something is implanted deeply within her and takes root, a new birth, a new conception, a new life is formed. And it takes precedence over her body. And she pays. And she suffers. Gestation. Labor. Delivery. And then joy. Wonderful joy as you hold the new baby. There is a pouring out is what I'm saying. If anything new is going to happen. If you're going to receive at all. There has to be an emptying of the old self. You see, I make a decision when I'm running with my daughter. Do I stick with the thanks for teaching me responsibility? Or do I go deeper? Better to give the dad that's learning what love is and give all glory to Jesus than the man that would take credit for being a good dad and teaching my kid to be responsible at four. I know kids need to learn things at four. I understand that. That's true. But the, the temptation in my heart was not to pour myself out. Some of us want to be a buddy to our kids or the example or the safest parent or the most appropriate parent. What is it that you've worked so hard to be? I can tell you it's probably what you didn't have as a kid, most likely. Elizabeth uh, was the mother of John the Baptist, and I'm not going to, just working on this, I listed, went through and looked up a whole lot of mothers, but I'm not going to go through that for time. 
But I just picked one, the first one in Luke, is Elizabeth and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And imagine she's, she's barren and she's, and she's old and she is, the Lord visit Gabriel, the, the angel visits her and says, you're going to be pregnant and you're going to conceive and your baby boy is going to be John and he is going to be one who cries in the wilderness. On the one hand, what joy. But imagine having a son that lives in the desert, eats locusts and honey, and is beheaded in his 30s or late 20s, early 30s. Not any mother's dream, but it is a path because he made way, John made way, and she got to participate in that, but through much suffering and joy, in that order. What is it and why is it important receiving? How does it happen? I've asked Margaret to come up and, and give a snippet of her mom's journey. So Margaret, if you'd come up. I get to do life with Margaret. She is the mother of six kids, the youngest of which is 26, and six grandchildren. So she has been through it. <laughs> Yes, that's really true. <laughs> I have been through it. However, one of my giftings is not public speaking. So uh, <laughs> when Bruce asked me about doing this, I took it as a word from God that said, if you'll step out, I'll meet you there. So I'm taking him at his word. Um, God gave me gifts, just like he gives all children, all of you have gifts that he gave you from the beginning. And like all children, I use them to craft together a self. Um, the first gift that God gave me was he put me in a family that was actually very religious. We went to church a lot. Uh, the good things were I learned a lot of the Bible, study, Bible stories. I learned um, the books of the Bible in order. Uh, a lot of things like that. I heard all those stories and I heard about Jesus. And on whatever level I understood it to be, I knew that I was not good, at least not just good. I knew that I was naughty or a sinner and that I needed Jesus in my heart. So at, at a given time, I prayed to receive Jesus into my heart and I thought, okay, good, that's done. Now he'll make me good and we're all set. But another gift that he gave me in that same religious family was a family of very loud, angry people. They yelled a lot. They fought a lot. There were slamming doors. There was a lot of distance. There were, uh, there were fights that when they got bad enough, people just left. And then at some point when they could hold it together, they got back together. But how they did that was really magical to me. I had no idea, what in the world do you do after you're angry and yell and you leave? How do you come back? I, I, I didn't know what that was. Um, so I took the other gifts that God gave me. He gave me the gifts of being um, a peaceful person, a contented person, actually a very hidden person. I like to hide from the anger. 
hide from the yelling and be in my own sense of no chaos. I didn't ask for much. I was actually pretty stoic. Uh, one of my teachers in elementary school one time told me that she never saw me very happy and she never saw me very sad. And there was a little part of my heart that said, yes, it's working. <laughs> so, though I didn't show disappointment, um, it was there. And actually, God gave me a lot of patience and I thought, I am such a patient person, I'm going to do so great at being a mom. And that was before I had kids. <laughs> uh, you know, some of these things uh, I was able to adopt and, and work on, and, and really they looked pretty true on the outside. People thought that I was pretty mature. I, was, uh, I had learned that if you serve people and you ask questions and you listen a lot, they, they think that you're a mature person, and you get a lot of strokes for that. Uh, but there were other things going on in my heart. There were hard things. There were evil, evil thoughts. There was deceit. There was murderous anger sometime that I had no idea what to do with. So I just, the best I could, crammed it down, hit it, and went on with life. But it was there. I couldn't actually make it go away. And I thought, when I married Bruce, I thought, okay, now's my chance. I'm going to make a peaceful home. My kids are going to be just like me. They're going to be peaceful and contented and happy, and this is going to be a great home. Well, they had their own ideas of what <laughs> their selves were going to be. <laughs> and um, they weren't like me. Well, a few of them, maybe, but uh, generally speaking, no, they weren't like me. Uh, they were gifted differently, and that was good. That was a good thing. Uh, actually, God was stretching me kind of out of shape from who I thought I was. I, he gave me he, he gave me these gifts of children. Uh, actually, the first one, when I found out I was pregnant, I wasn't all that thrilled about. But in my typical manner, I hid my disappointment. I didn't, you know, I had to be a, had to be a good mom. So, okay, happy, happy face, welcome this child. And, and actually, she was a joy, and, and well, actually, she cried a lot. But... <laughs> But she's great, great daughter, glad to have her, <laughs> wouldn't give her back. And um, actually our last child, I wasn't really crazy about receiving that gift either. I was actually pretty angry the entire nine months. I, it just wasn't in my plan to be pregnant right then. I, it's, it wasn't about the baby, I loved the baby, I knew I'd love the baby. It just wasn't in my plan to be pregnant right then. But uh, God gave me this gift and he's been a real joy. <laughs> and a lot of suffering too. But along the way, uh, God's given me many crossroads where he's, he's given me the opportunity to make decisions about am I going to be this person that I decided when I was little that I was? Or am I gonna let him break my heart of some of these things that I had molded 
as an image in my heart and be able to receive other things that he had for me. Things like true peace, true patience, not the kind that I manufactured. One of our daughters, um, Bruce mentioned her before, the one that the one that was very proud of the foam rubber covered tank. <laughs> she and I, as you can guess, um, we didn't, it, it was really difficult with her because no matter how much peace I tried to exude and how patient I tried to be, she just always had this tank. And in junior high and high school, it got to where I was becoming this person I would never wanted to be, this yelling, angry, person. And we would, um, we would just have these fights that I, I never, never wanted to be in. Uh, finally, I, I got to the point where um, in order to be able to receive her into my heart, something had to go. First of all, my pride about being a good mom, which I thought I was, um, first of all, that had to go. And Bruce and I talked one day, I sat down with him and said, I just can't get out of this power struggle. It's really awful, and I can't do it. Um, and he was very gracious and, and also had worked through some of those thing, same things. But it was hard to humble myself and come and ask. Uh, but he, he explained to me the idea of stepping down in my heart, giving room her, choosing to pour out those parts of my heart that would say, don't show any emotion. <laughs> don't, don't be upset. Don't be angry. Don't yell. Um, in those times, she was my enemy. And to be able to humble myself in front of my enemy was just not at all in my plan. Uh, it, it seemed so counterintuitive. But God was with me on this. This was, I, I think, really the path he wanted me on. And the very next time we got into a big fight, which wasn't very long, um, we were sitting on the couch in the den, and she was saying this, and I was saying that, and she was saying this, and I was saying that. And at some point, God just whispered, whispered to my heart, this is the time. You know, are you going to die for your daughter? Are you going to make room for her in your heart? And... It was a hard decision, actually, but um, in that moment, I just dropped the defenses and started to cry because what she said was very hurtful and very painful, and I was committed to not showing her that pain, but she was equally committed to get an impact out of me, and the only impact I was giving her was anger, um, so I began to cry, and somehow God softened her heart and her face changed completely and I wish I could say I always did that in every fight afterwards but I really didn't but more often um, this has just been one long journey of God remaking me from the inside out where I thought what I needed was to have a peaceful place with no conflict no chaos not what I grew up in but really what he wanted to remake me into was a woman who had peace from her heart in the midst of the chaos. True patience, true, true kindness, not, not the kind that I made myself. Um, and in, 
in closing, I've got lots of other stories, but that's all I'm going to give right now. Um, I just would like to say that he's given all women the gift of a mother's heart, whether they have children or not. And there are very special women out here who don't have children, but I believe he's really gifted them with a heart to receive others and pour themselves out for them. So happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Margaret. We're going to close on a, a song. Uh, if you're hearing uh, the message today, it's about receiving. Ultimately about receiving God. Why it's important. What it is. How does it happen? But then finally, what are the results? And what Margaret said is, God has given me, done work, but is giving me, that sanctification, a new self. Uh, this story is, uh, everybody knows this one, I think, but uh, if not, is the story of Jean Valjean in Les Miserables. Jean Valjean was a boy who stole bread and was caught as a thief and put in prison. After spending 20 years, he came out an ex-con with a hardened heart, a cynical heart. He couldn't find a place to stay until a priest let him stay at his house and he fed, fed him, gave him a place to sleep. But Jean Valjean was angry. So he stole silver and left in the middle of the night. He was caught and brought back to the priest. And all of you, or most of you, I think, have heard this story. And the priest, instead of turning him back into the, into the police and sending him back to prison, gave him the candlesticks. It so rocked his world that he left a changed man. He was a man that was transformed. Unfortunately, or fortunately, he left with a commitment to be a better man. Not all wrong, I suppose. He broke parole and now is a fugitive to the law. And he builds a life of goodness. He runs a factory. He's the mayor of a town, but he's always on the run. He's a man that's freed by grace, but still captured by shame and guilt and anger. A transformed man, to be sure. In a word, he was doing good and he was successful. And what happens just before this scene, which we won't watch, but we'll listen to, uh, is another man is caught. And here's his chance. Javert, the policeman, says, we've caught Jean Valjean and we're sending him back to prison. So Jean Valjean is in this horrible situation. What does he do? Here, freedom is at hand. And there's so much good that would be kept if he, if he just stuck with that plan. But then how could he live with himself? And who would he be? What God wants to do fundamentally, because in receiving him, he gives us a new self. I begin to know who I am. Not a woman who is working her hardest to make things what she didn't have, 
but a woman who has peace erupting in her and joy. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus in our hearts. You said to receive him is to have the power to become children of God, a work that is done and a work that is in process. Help us to live honestly and confessionally with others, to bring the wonderful parts of our heart to the table, of course, but also the parts that are 24601, a criminal, in need of saving and forgiveness, in need of grace. Help us to want to be loved more than esteemed, to want to be loved more than safe, to want to be loved more than special, to want to be loved more than powerful. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. You are our king, you are our master, you are our father, our elder brother, you are the lover of our soul. We're so thankful and grateful for you and give you our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.